All right. For me, success is continuing to fulfill my potential. So it's always something I'm looking toward, not something I've achieved. To me, success is doing something that you love to do that allows you to be of service to others and it it gives you a sense of fulfillment in your heart. I think I, I chased success so much that I put happiness on hold for 20 years and now I realize if I put happiness first, the success chases me. Success is being able to have the control of your day-to-day, of your life, of having a freedom, financial independence. If you're doing it on your own schedule, that's success. In essence, the fulfillment of knowing that you've done your best is my definition of success. This is the Alden Report. All right, well, this episode is brought to you in part by the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read by Andrew Cap. Yeah, you heard it right. The last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read. Listen, if you don't believe me, go over to Amazon and read the over 1,600 five-star reviews from excited readers who, after all the books, all the programs and all the other nonsense out there finally found a book that explains the law of attraction like nothing you've ever heard before. Not only does it include fun, user-friendly methods, but it's going to hold the mirror up to you, the reader, and explain what's happening in your head whenever you're trying to work on yourself. It'll explain why you get excited, why you even start to use what you learn and even begin to get results, but then you still quit. This book will show you how to overcome that and it's going to show you how to manifest the things that you want most in your life. So check it out by going to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That's lastlawofattractionbook.com. It's going to auto-forward you to Amazon where you can pick it up on Kindle, paperback, or even audiobook. Listen, I've read this book myself. I've even interviewed Andrew on The Author Report and I'm telling you, this is in fact the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read and it's going to change your life. So go ahead and pick up a copy by visiting lastlawofattractionbook.com. That's lastlawofattractionbook.com. This is the Alden Report. All right. Well, my name is Michael Alden. We are here in Blue Bay Studios. And as always, I tell you, I'm just... I'm super excited to, to, to do this podcast, The Alden Report. I'm also super excited to meet interesting people and to talk to people that are you know, doing great things in the world. My next guest is an internationally recognized speaker. He's an entrepreneur. He's a best-selling author. Uh, and he's just doing some great things in the world of happiness. And I'm really excited to talk to him about happiness and what that really means to him and what that really means to really kind of everyone, especially in what we're going through right now in the world. Please help me welcome Mr. David Meltzer. David, thanks so much for being my guest. Oh, it's my privilege and pleasure. So excited to be here. And you are helping with my mission, like you said, to empower over a billion people to be happy. So I know, uh, you know, uh, you're a busy guy and I appreciate you spending the time. So I, I usually like to just kind of keep people here as long as possible. I don't, I don't, I don't like to tell people that up front, but, uh, I know that you have a hard kind of stop time. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that to you, David, although I'd love to, because, uh, you're, you're just an interesting guy. You've done some cool things. So let's just jump right into that topic that we talked about. So, you know, listen, you, you've written, uh, you know, several books. Uh, you know, I know that you have a program that people can can participate in on your website as well, where, where you're talking about happiness. And uh, as someone, uh, you know, you, real quick, you um, 
you rose to the top, so to speak, within the world of business success. And then you had a, you, then you had also just an epic kind of, uh, you know, fail, uh, if we want to call it that falls, we don't like, we don't really like to call it failures, right? Zig Ziglar calls them temporary defeats, but tell us a little bit about that moment and what happened. And then let's, and then we'll kind of, I guess, get into the whole happiness talk. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I grew up poor wanting to be rich so I could buy my mom a house and a car at a single mom six kids work two jobs so my whole dream was to get my mom out of that situation to buy her a house and a car and by 24 when i graduated law school i was a millionaire and i was able to do that and that one moment really reinforced that money buys love and happiness so for the next decade everything i did reaffirmed that money would buy me love and happiness and i was very focused on making a lot of money and being happy. Uh, unfortunately, as the aggregate effect of this misunderstood currency, the object of energy we put into the flow called money, without the other currency, which I learned later on when I lost everything over $100 million, I lost my faith, uh, is a terrible combination. You know, I would much rather live in the world of not enough, you know, where things happen to me as a victim than in a world of just enough when everything's happening for me buying things I don't need to impress people I don't like. And where I had to reconcile that as I lost everything is taking accountability, being forgiving and being grateful for everything I had allowed me to transcend to a world of more than enough, a world of more than enough of everything for everyone, a world where everything comes through me with appreciation for everyone else. So nothing happens to me or for me anymore. It happens through me. And I learned those lessons that money does not buy love or happiness, but it does allow you to shop. And if you reconcile your shopping, the currency of money with the currency of faith, and if you shop for the right things, you can be extremely happy. You can make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. And that's what I'm on a mission to do is to teach people, whether it's with free training, private groups, one-on-one, -on -one, consulting, all of the things I do from my podcast to my TV shows, to my books, to the interviews, everything that I do is simply to teach people to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. You know, we uh, we have actually a lot in common uh, that you probably don't know. I'm also an attorney. Uh, I also uh, declared bankruptcy uh, while I was in law school, actually. Uh, so that was kind of a tough decision to make. Uh, I actually wasn't really... I actually had to call the bar association because I wasn't sure if declaring bankruptcy would actually preclude me from being admitted. Uh, and so, you know, that, that moment again, where and, and I also grew up pretty, very poor as well. And uh, we call that, um, you know, the gift of poverty, I think it's actually, it, it's a great thing when you, when you don't have money and then, and then when you get it, but you know, so when you're, when you're in that dark moment, and I think this is important too, for people to understand because happiness, uh, I own a brand called wicked happy. Uh, and I talk a lot about, about, about happiness as well as when you're in that dark moment though david when when you you look you to do what you've to do what you did up until that point graduate law school become a lawyer all that stuff that everyone probably said was never going to happen right and then now you're a millionaire and then you lose it all if you could just talk a little bit about like as a human being uh, really what that felt like and and what was the moment where you kind of realized like okay this is not, this is not where I want to be. And, and, and how do I get out of it? Because that I know what it's like to walk into a federal courthouse and to declare bankruptcy and, you know, uh, as a law student, right. And you are already a successful lawyer. So if you could talk a little bit about that, because 
it's painful, plain and simple. Yeah, I think it was worse than just even being a successful lawyer, right? I was a multimillionaire. I owned a golf course, a ski mountain, 33 homes. I ran big businesses. I was the CEO of Samsung's phone division, the first smartphone in the world in 99. I was running, at the time I went bankrupt, the most notable sports agency in the world called Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. They had made the movie Jerry Maguire about the firm that I worked for. And, you know, I had not only multi-millions of dollars, but I had access to everything. All the billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, the ESPYs, the Emmys, the Oscars, the Grammys, anything I wanted to do. So it was more than just being a lawyer. In fact, I hadn't practiced law since I graduated law school because I got involved in the internet. And so I think understanding the breadth of where I was, the interesting thing was my true bottom was two years before I claimed bankruptcy because I had so much money, it took a long time in order to create the effects and the causes that create the bankruptcy and the technical uh, you know, uh, experience that it did. But for me, it was two years before when my wife you know, was the only person to stand up to me and basically tell me she wasn't happy and she was leaving as I came home wasted from the Grammy Awards with Little John and told me to take stock in who I was and who I wanted to become. And that's where these ideas of gratitude and forgiveness and accountability and inspiration or effective communication came about is when two years before I lost everything, I created a new path for myself, a new journey. You know, I started reconciling not only the law of gravity that says I'm happy where I'm at uh, today, I'm at the right place at the perfect time, but the law of Goya, which I always implemented and probably so did you knowing your background, getting off my ass, G-O-Y-A. But I incorporated and reconciled the law of attraction, which is, you know, I really started living with faith, faith being my GPS. Uh, you talked about failures, setbacks, mistakes that people make. You know, if you go the wrong route on your GPS, it reroutes you back to the destination. Well, faith is the super GPS because not only when you make a mistake, miss a direction, have a setback, or other people may call it a failure, not only will it reroute you, but it will give you a better destination to go to. Uh, faith is that incredible. So, you know, to be happy where you're at, angle to what you want and end up having faith that you're going to end up somewhere better than that is what I learned through the two-year period where I reconstructed and took stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. The bankruptcy itself, the lesson and the hardest part was telling my mom uh, because I'd forgotten to take my mom's house out of uh, my name. So not only did I lose everything, the only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy my mom a house and a car and I lost her house. So I had to go to her house, tell her, number one, I had lost everything, but two, she had to move. Uh, she had lost her house. And that's when I learned the greatest and most valuable lesson of the bankruptcy is when my mom responded as I was crying at her front door with blame, shame, and justification. She looked at me and said, are you okay? Do you need anything? Can I give you some money? never once concerned about herself, completely unconditional with her love towards me and her actions towards me. And as I sat in front of her, I thought to myself, man, here's a woman who made no more than $17,000 a year, working two jobs, filling up turnstiles at the 7-Eleven with greeting cards, teaching the second grade, being paid nothing, and she gets it, and I don't. And so from that time on, I started to live by those values, but also with an abundant attitude, an unconditional attitude to be of service 
of others and to find out how I could be of value or service to others unconditionally. Man, I know we don't we don't have a lot of time, but I could just, I, you know so I'm really I'm in my head I'm like trying to speed things up. But so yeah. so. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you're enjoying this episode of The Alden Report. You know, you probably already know this, but here in the United States, investors and big corporations pay between zero and 25% in taxes. And many times it's zero, while individuals pay between 30 and 50% in taxes. And small businesses pay between 40 and 60% in taxes. What you probably don't know is that the federal tax code is behavior based. Well, what does that mean? It means if you behave like an investor in a big corporation, you can access the same rates. You know, that's why nth degree CPAs exist to show businesses and owners how to modify their behavior and to access the same rates as investors in big corporations. You know, with tax rates likely on the rise, I urge you to sign up for their next webinar by visiting www.rigmywealth.com forward slash Alden. That's www.rigmywealth.com forward slash Alden. So, uh, okay. So you go through this difficult event, you know, I've had Les Brown on the podcast and he says, Michael, it's the struggle that creates life, but, but I don't care what anybody says. Nobody likes it. And I would ask him, I asked him, him and a lot of other people like, you know, is the pain necessary in order to, in order to get to that next level, uh, you know, in your life. But when I think about, you know, the, the kind of the pains that you went through and there was, and you know, the, 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 you know, how your, your, your perspective changed, um, was there someone that helped you through that be, uh, other than your mom because what you said about you and it's it's funny my mom is exactly the same i didn't buy her house bought her car but um it's <laughs> it, it isn't her name though so <laughs> actually you know what shit it's not it's actually my name i, I think about it that's right there we go um, the lesson of the day <laughs> i gotta I'm, I'm gonna write that down so so was there someone who said to you other than your mom like david like because i had someone come to me and say mike it's gonna be okay you know, uh, you know, I built a massive uh, house in a private neighborhood in the town that I grew up with in the projects uh, in the same same neighborhood. And then a couple of years later, I had to put it on the market. This is post bankruptcy. Uh, and I remember that feeling of pain. Uh, but in but I had a mentor of mine, you know, kind of talk me through it. Did you have mentors and, and other people that really helped you through that? I mean, you mentioned faith, but was there was there one individual or was there a group that helped you through that? There was, after I realized the reason I went bankruptcy is I never asked anyone for help, that everyone had just said I was Midas and everything I touched turned to gold. So why would I need to ask the advice, opinion, or get any help from anyone else? I hadn't instituted radical humility in my life. And so, you know, number one, my wife uh, was a beacon. Uh, she's the only one. There's a book by Stephen Hertz that's called Don't Take Yes for an Answer. Uh, well, she stopped giving me yes as an answer. And she, to this day, just recently calls me on my bullshit and uh, does not allow my ego-based consciousness to direct my actions anymore, that I'm not going to live projecting something I think I am or I want to be. Uh, instead, I have to be honest with myself. So my wife played a critical role. My dad had also uh, left when I was five, uh, but he had given me a jacket at 30 that changed my life. Uh, I hated him at the time for doing it. He gave me a jacket with no pockets. First gift he had given me in 20 years. That jacket saved my life. 
uh, because as I was about to leave my wife and blame her for everything and she wasn't grateful and I looked over in my closet as my dad had told me I hung it in my closet begrudgingly because I hated him for it because he told me that I thought money bought love and happiness I was just like him and I told him man I'm nothing like you you're a liar a cheater a manipulator overseller back-end seller I'm nothing like you I hate you and those words just they resonated in my my mind because I looked at that jacket and it saved my life because I realized I was the liar the cheater the manipulator the overseller that I hated myself I didn't hate my wife I didn't hate my dad I hated myself and I needed to do something to change myself. And so I started to pick out mentors that sit in the situation that I want to be in. And I was blessed because of my job to have great people like Lee Steinberg and Warren Moon and Steve Wynn and just a litany of humongous people that I could go to and, you know, tell, you know, Steve Wynn, hey, I want to learn about your relationship to money because I got a horrible relationship with money, which probably you did too, you know, Mike. And, and it's partly that energy of not feeling worthy and not understanding how to receive and to be worthy of everything you receive. You're self-sabotaging and spiraling because of my relationship with money. Uh, you know, I had great mentors in business, uh, Lou Lombardi. So I still, to this day, aggregate my my mentors. I'm, that's why I have such a huge mentoring program myself is I want to be able to give what I've paid, meaning the dummy tax to as many people as I can. I can't pay people state or federal taxes, but I can pay a, a higher tax, which is called the dummy tax. And I've paid a lot of that. So I try to share that dummy tax with as many people as I can. <laughs> Man, again, I, 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 I continue to pay it, I think, sometimes, too. You know, it's interesting, too, what you said, you know, when you have, you know, influential people and super successful people within your circle of influence, so to speak, uh, and you'd mentioned earlier about, you know, you didn't ask, you know, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, asking for help. I mean, my first book is titled Ask More, Get More, and I think for me, it's always been... Uh, you know, the title kind of speaks for itself. But I think a lot of people misinterpret what asking really means. It's not a selfish thing. It's not a greedy thing. If we don't ask, we don't get the answer. Talk a little bit about the humility and asking for help. Yeah, you know, most people think they're not enough. And what when we ask for help, they think you're affirming that you're not enough. Uh, but the truth is that you're more than enough when you ask for help because you have the humility to allow all of that you receive to come through you for others with the greatest intention in the world to be appreciative and forgiving and accountable for everything. And asking, you know, does go both ways, right? I have just templated ask. I, you know, I'm happy to send the, the, I have a formula of asking and it's open-ended and close, it's very lawyer-like, but it teaches people how to ask one simple thing, right? Do you know anyone that can help me? Or would this help you, right? You know, considering everything you say, the reasons impacts capability, can you see any reason you won't want to do this or allow me to help you with this? It's all about asking. And so, uh, you know, I'm always happy to send those out to everyone. I call it the ask and attract strategy. It's in my book. I send my book out. You have them there as well, but just email me, david.melter.com because asking is the most powerful thing in the world. You can't ask big enough. You can't ask often enough. And you just need to keep asking people in person, on the phone, via email and traditional social media. I look at my sent box Mike every day still in my emails to see how many asks I have because I want to be the master if someone could tell me what's the greatest discipline you would want in your life it's not working out it's not eating it's asking 
is literally if I could be the best at something, I'd like to be the best at asking. Yeah, I think it's so important. You know, again, a lot of people uh, I think are, are taught at a young age that, again, like I mentioned earlier, that asking it's improper, it's it's rude, it's greedy, or what have you. And when you uh, frame it the way you the, the the way you just did, uh, it's important because if you don't ask, then no one's going to be able to give you that help. And I've um, I learned that uh, you know at a young age as well. Growing up, I think the way we did. Uh, you kind of had almost no, you had no options, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you wanted to, you either went, you know, by the grace of God, go I, right. You know, I said, tell people I was going to either be a criminal or a lawyer. And, and I was a little bit of both, I think when I was a kid. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think that's really important. And again, I know we don't have a ton of time, but I just do, do want to just really jump really again, quick to the concept of happiness. You know, when I, um, and just real quick to frame it. So again, we have very similar backgrounds. Uh, and I, and I say this and it sounds a little arrogant the way I'm going to say it, but in, in this house that I'd mentioned that I put on the market, uh, in my bedroom, the first thing I do when I wake up, other than looking at my wife and my dogs that are sharing the bed with me, uh, there's a painting from Romero Brito. Uh, it's an original painting uh, of his over the fireplace in my house. It sounds so fucking arrogant to what I just said, but it's of the word happy. And I look at it every single morning and to remind myself of, of how grateful, uh, you know, I need to be, but like talk real quick about happiness and what I think what a lot of people don't understand is it's something that we need to work at. And I, and if you could just touch upon, you know, the, the work that's involved in happiness, I, I'd really appreciate that. Yeah. So I have five daily practices. Once again, I'd be happy to send it people put in the notes, my email, David at dmeltzer.com. Yeah. You got to know your, what you got to know your, who you got to know your, how you got to know your now and you got to know your why. And those five daily practices are the keys to happiness. Happiness is defined as the enjoyment. If you're capable of enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of your own potential, not listening to other people, not listening to what you don't want, not listening to what's missing, but what you want. And so many people don't see that pain like Les Brown. Pain is an indicator. It's a turn signal. It's not a top stop sign. Pain is what indicates we have a lesson to learn. And guess what? If you learn a lesson, there'll be no pain, right? Solution. There's no problems if you have the solution, right? If you got the teacher's guide, there's no problems passing the test. <laughs> that's the same thing in life. You just gotta figure out the teacher's guide. And pain is gonna indicate to you that you have something to learn. And so when we have gratitude, which will allow you to find the light, the love and the lessons and everything, I don't do anything I don't love to do. It's not that I naturally love everything in the same degree, but what I do is have faith that there's love in everything, there's light in everything, there's truth in everything. And before I do it, any activity, I'm gonna learn to love it before I do it, or I'm going to delegate it or not do it if I can't. And then the forgiveness gives us peace and the accountability gives us control by simply asking, what did I do to attract this to my life? And what am I supposed to learn from it? All three of these clear the interference between you and what you already are, because you are happy, you are healthy, you are wealthy, you are worthy. Figure out what you're doing to interfere with what you already are. Don't try to go get something that you already have. Well, you know what? And that's, uh, that, that's it. I mean, that, that's where to end it. You know, uh, again, I just really appreciate you spending the time with me here on the All The Report. We've been on with David Meltzer. If you'd like some more information about David, why don't you can just Google David Meltzer. You go to his website, dmeltzer.com. He's obviously pretty active on uh, Twitter and Instagram, David Meltzer. Uh, and, you know, again, he's a best-selling author. His books are changing the world. Go to his website. Also, he has a program that he's trying to uh, you know, help people all over the world, over a billion people to become happy. 
happy. And what I've learned at, a, at my age and, and, and where I am at life, that happiness is really for me. And I think for everybody, the only thing that matters. So I want to thank you so much, David, uh, for being my guest. My name is Michael Alden. That's David Meltzer. And we'll see you soon. Today's episode is brought to you in part by ConnectionCapital.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. You are one connection away from your life changing forever. You know, have you ever tried to connect with somebody on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or even Clubhouse, and you couldn't quite connect with them? That's because the biggest gap in the world is the gap of access. It's not the wealth gap. It's not the credit gap. It's the access gap. ConnectionCapital.com is leveling the playing field and it's free to join. Visit ConnectionCapital.com, C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. Again, it's C-O-N-N-E-X-T-I-O-N Capital.com. You are one connection away from your life changing forever.